Hi, welcome back to the channel today, everyone. So my guest today announced last week he is running for the governor of New York. Welcome, man, Larry Sharp. I have made it. Thank you so much, sir, for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for coming in. So we we actually met last year um, at the Michigan convention. And it's funny because I don't live in Michigan. You don't live in Michigan. And <laughs> Exactly, yes. Liber libertarians bring people together, right? So that's where, where we, the we, movement we first does. met. I know people who like make great friendships and romantic relationships and political relationships and business relationships. You're right. The movement does bring us together. Yep. Um, it was interesting because um, Shane Hazel was up there and he was speaking mm -hmm. with you. And I was like, Shane, we both live in Georgia, like 30 minutes from each other. Why don't we hang out more? <laughs> we have to come up to Michigan to do it. Right. Um, absolutely. And so I've been trying to wait for the, you know, trying to find the perfect opportunity to invite you on. And what better time than when you, when you announced that you're running for governor. I agree. It's a great time. I'm, so, glad, I'm glad to be here. Yes, thank you. Um, so how many times How many times is this? Is this your third time running for governor? Then? I've, it's funny. People think I run all the time. I've only run twice. That's <laughs> it. my second time. That's it. That's it. Oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm one of the people who I know a lot of libertarians believe that we should be running all the time, always running, always going to ballot. I don't yeah. think that's the best strategy for most of us. For some of us, it's the right answer, particularly if you're more of an activist. But if you're more of an activist, it's probably a good idea because you're using the run not to win. You're using the run to get a bully pulpit, to talk more, things like that, to get your issue out. That makes sense. Um, that's not my goal, right? My goal isn't to get the issue out. My goal is to make real impact, to get a lot of votes so people – the mainstream notices us and judges us often by either the amount of money we raise or the amount of votes that we get either by percentage or, or numbers, depending upon what you're running for. So that's what I'm focusing on. The other things are also important, right? The, the Liberty Movement has a lot of people in it who do a lot of different things and they're all valuable. I just wanna do what I think I'm best at. This is, my, this is what I'm best at. So I wanna okay. do that. So I spend my yeah. time running when I can. I only run big campaigns and I only run big campaigns because I've been in big business in the past. I've, I've done this kind of thing before so I wanted to make sure that I was doing the big run. Last time we ran in 2018, I raised half a million dollars. I'm already past the six-figure mark already. The team is going to be dozens, if not hundreds of people, as it was last time. So it's a big campaign. And I want to show the world that libertarians can run big campaigns um, and that we can do, you know, we can make impact. That's really the goal. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, and running in New York, a massive voting population is New York, right? And that yes. is the Big Apple. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, hundred percent. I am it's, born it's... in Manhattan, and I live now in Queens. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so you're running um, on three ballots, right, or yes. three lines on the ballot. So how does that work? Because this is the first time I've ever heard of being on multiple lines on a ballot. Because it's really only New York. <laughs> That's why it's really only okay. New York. New York has what's called fusion voting. Other states have things that are similar, but they don't really use and they don't really do it. Right? It's not a thing they do. Um, New York does it every time. People will be on multiple lines. Meaning if I, I run as X, but if Y um, a party endorses me, they can put me on their line. So I'll literally have multiple lines. So I am a registered libertarian. And I run as Libertarian. I've already got the nomination as Libertarian. That happened last weekend. But I'm also going to get two more lines, right? The goal is to get both the Unite line and the Forward line. If those parties choose to endorse me, and I believe they will, when they do that, I will then get two more lines. 
So I'll literally be listed Libertarian, Larry Sharp, then again, Forward, Larry Sharp, then again, Unite, Larry Sharp. And all of the votes combined are my vote. Okay. That's how it works. Usually, so, a Democrat will also have the working families line. Usually, mm -hmm. not always. Sometimes they go separate, but they, they usually go along with Democrat. And usually, the Republican also has the conservative party line. Sometimes they go opposite, but almost always, they have two lines. Okay. Yeah, that's that's just really interesting. So they just add everybody's vote up. doesn't matter what line it is. And, Correct. And you're good. Um, so I don't know. I think a lot of people out there, they, they know or they don't know that the forward party is Andrew Yang's um, new idea. I did a video on this right when he announced it to see what was um, just kind of give an idea about it. But what, what, I guess, how did it come about for you running on their line? Are they, are these organizations looking at you because you're a third party and they want to disrupt the system um, and, and how much of it, of your values meet up with their values, I guess. Yeah, it is very challenging to make this kind of coalition, right? Which is why most people won't do it. But we've mm -hmm. been talking about it forever. We've been talking about how libertarians get from the left, libertarians get from the right, libertarians can make a coalition. I've been talking that trash too. So I said, well, you know what? How about I stop talking trash? How about I go do it? So I went and I go did, and I, I went and did it. And the mm -hmm. reason why it worked wasn't because all of our values and all of our policies align. They don't, they don't. Mm -hmm. um, Unite is much more of a more mainstream party. They don't like the, Unite does not like as general rule. They don't like the extremes of either party. So they tend to be more mainstream in general. That's a general rule, right? But what they're yeah. most worried about is allowing for a third way. That's their number one thing. And they worry about things like ballot access and ranked choice voting and open primaries. And I agree with all of those three, right? Libertarians want third party. Yep. We want more options. We're going to ballot. So it was a natural match. They wanted it. I want it. Life is good, right? Yep. Uh, it, is the party going to align with some of what mainstream would think is more radical ideas that we have? No, it's not. But will we focus yep. on the idea of let's get more word out there, more options, more choice, more voice? Yes, absolutely. Yang's yeah. party, the forward party, is the same thing. The forward party, well, again, many things we don't overlap on, but we all agree the two-party system's broken. And Yang's biggest issue and the forward party's biggest issue is the duopoly's broken. So yeah. we need change in ballot access, ranked choice voting, open primaries. Again, they overlap completely, right? I, I agree, they agree. That's our critical piece. And I call it the bro, pro, the bro plan or the program. Either the one program. Of those. Yes, BRO is ballot access, <laughs> ranked choice voting, open primaries. We do that and we can make a real change. And yeah. that's why we're together. The reality of it is in New York State, it's very specific. In New York State, the only way you get ballot access is if you have a governor or presidential candidate and that candidate gets 130,000 votes or 2%, whichever is higher, on a specific line. That's it. No, literally, we could have a libertarian senator and we don't have ballot access. We're not a party. Yes, really? th that's the only way you do it is only that way. We could get 80% of the vote on, a, you know, a, a, I don't know. We have a, a great uh, attorney general and we get 80% of the vote, not a party. The only way is that. There's no other way in New York State. That's how it works, period. So they said to themselves, how are we going to do that? Who could do that? Well, just to get the opportunity to get the 130,000 votes, 
you have to get 45,000 signatures across the state just to get the chance to be on the ballot so you can get the 130,000 votes so you can be on the ballot. That's how hard New York State is. And they said, how are we going to do that? And I said, well, I've kind of already done it. You could just ask me and I would do it. And they said, yeah, let's do that. And that's how we get it. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was hard hard to get on the ballot here in Georgia. And we thought we had a win here in Georgia, but then they took the win away. Yep. So it's really funny watching the duopoly once we start getting some stuff, you know, getting things rolling and, and becoming a, a force. They take they take those things away. And you're right. All those things that you have in the program are stuff that would help libertarians win elections. So the duopoly 100%. would um they don't want it, and they and they they're going to make it as hard as possible because they'd well, rather I just go fight each other. One step further, if we get on the ballot more, and it's easier to get on the ballot, what will wind up happening is there'll be specialized parties. Now, obviously, I am biased the Libertarian Party. Clearly, I am right, but there'll yeah. be specialized parties. Like there'll be a you know no more war party, very specialized, or there'll be a you know uh, I don't know free cannabis party or whatever, or there'll be a Medicare for all party or whatever kind of party. There'll be those types. Yeah. And while those types won't actually win, well, most of the time they won't, but as a general rule, what will happen is um, that will move the other parties in the right direction. And what I would say is if we have a strong libertarian party, even if we don't win, and obviously I hope we always win. If we don't, we will move the parties to where they're supposed to be because people will be listening to us. Right. So, the Democratic Party is supposed to be about civil liberties. They're not, but they're supposed to be about that, right? So if we are about civil liberties, it will force individual Democratic candidates to have to accept civil liberties as part of their platform or they'll lose the election. Republicans are supposed to be about lower taxes and less government. They're not, but they're supposed to be. So if we are that and we are strong and people hear us, they will have to adopt some of that and you'll get better Republicans and better Democrats if we have stronger libertarians. I agree. I think, well, Shane Hazel gave us a gorgeous opportunity last in the last election when with the Senate campaign. And mm-hmm. when anybody ever starts talking about Shane stole votes, I said, so you support ranked choice voting then, right? Because we would know exactly <laughs> who Shane's second votes went to. And that's how you have to talk to people be, that don't know about ranked choice voting and explain 100%. it to them. Yes, absolutely. I, I often call it the safety net. Because so many people are worried, I got to vote for a Democrat or the Republican wins, or I got to vote for a Republican or Democrat wins. What if you could vote for whoever you wanted and have a safety net? What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have a safety net. But whoever you want, you could put Ralph Nader in if you want to. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Put in Bernie. I don't care. Write in whoever you want. And then you've got yeah. that second chance of, here we go. Right? You get your safety net. And when yeah. I explain that, they go, oh, okay. Yeah. If you have a safety net, why do you care who's on the ballot? Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's and that's that's something I wasn't. I wasn't even looking at either. I was just looking at it as you know who the second choice votes would have went to, even if it. So so there is no such thing as stealing votes, and even here in Georgia we have a runoff system, so there's no such thing as stealing votes, anyways. So paying the money to into a runoff system is still more worth it to them than to go to a ranked choice voting system. I think that says a lot about ranked choice voting in and of itself. And what we're doing in New York now is we're now trying to fund all the all the candidates, right? But you only can fund it if you raise X amount of money and X amount of this and Y amount of that to ensure that what's going to happen is 
we're now going to create an industry in New York State, which will be the permanent class of political punditry industry. They're going to pay themselves, right, yep. to basically run for office. <clears throat> and the small parties will get none of it. And all the big parties will literally get, I'm not joking, $3 million. So you want to run a statewide, if you want to run a statewide campaign as of next year, and you can raise, I think it's, uh, I think it's $500,000, I think. Yeah. Um, $500,000 from 5,000 people. The state will just give you at your campaign $3 million. One of the reasons why we lost our lawsuit, I'm not joking. We we lost our lawsuit to say it's unfair. You can't remove our ballot access because to your point, it used to be 50,000 votes. I blew that away. So I have ballot access yeah. now. They went, oh, no, we can't have that. So they raised everything and just took away all my ballot access. And literally they said, oh, you had it. It's gone now. Too bad. And then we sued them and said, you can't do that. You can't just take away ballot access. I put time, money, and energy into this. And they said, yeah, but, you know, as we're going we're gonna to start, you know, funding elections, that's going to become too expensive for the state. The judge actually said that. It's too expensive. Oh, sorry. So my rights, they're too expensive. Got it. Sorry. And didn't want, didn't want my rights to get in your way of you making money. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Having, that. having, having a third choice, you know, having that out there, I think it's pretty evident. And, and this is what we get in politics. And this has been this way for a while is the people want third parties. We yes. know that 50, for the first time in history, 51% of the population is registered independent and 70% say they want a third party. If and you look I, at the um, the polling that we just did here in New York, it was a Zogby poll that came out. In that poll, um, they actually saw that it's like 41% of New Yorkers want it. And New York is very blue. We're three to one Democrats, Republican in the state. In New York City, six to one Democrats, Republican. So we're very blue. And even we mm -hmm. want third parties in New York. And I polled at 6% and I hadn't even announced yet. That's how popular I am in the state. And it's not because I'm so handsome. I mean, I am super handsome, but that isn't the reason why. <laughs> it's it's because that they want the third party, and the only third party they remember from last time is me, right? Because everyone else yeah. left. They and usually have third parties. They run once, and you never see them again. But I'm still yeah. here, and I've been active throughout my state for the past four years, and that's why I'm I'm popular compared to the others. Okay, and you and so going with uh, back to like going with Andrew Yang and and the other parties. It, this kind of goes along. You're the one that kind of coined the term the 70-20 rule, right? Or 70-20. that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you coined that I term, I wish right? it was mine, but it's actually not. <laughs> it actually comes from a, uh, a business principle from years ago, and then Ronald Reagan used it again in the okay. 80s. I wish it was mine. I, I stole it and gave it to kind of the <laughs> Libertarian Party. But um, I was it's the Pareto principle. I think, I think that's what's called. The okay. business principle is the idea that 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your, of your customers. Right. And just understand that dynamic. And many times 80% of your problems will come from 20% of your customers also. So that's that kind of 80-20 rule. But then Reagan in, in the 80s, I think he said, not mistaken, he said, if someone will support you and you agree with them 80% of the time, they're your ally, not your enemy. Yeah. And I think the same way. If we're on board 80%, we're allies. We may not be the same party, we may not want to be in the same you know, group, but at least we're allies. We're not enemies. That's for sure. Absolutely. And with everything that you guys are working on, I think um, 
I mean, I spoke with Spike Cohen about this before. Work with people on what you guys agree on and then just agree to disagree on what, what, what they don't. And if they don't have anybody that can get on the ballot and that can do, you know, do that, why not support you in, in running? I think that it helps them. It helps them get, get their name out there and, and tied to people that have been doing it. So we told, we were telling Andrew Yang when he came out saying ballot access is going to be a huge issue for you. You yes. know, it's, we've been fighting it for 50 years. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yes. I always say the same thing, right? What makes the Libertarian Party so amazing in the national realm is we got 50 state ballot access twice in a row. I mean, that's that yeah. doesn't happen. Only yeah. we do it, right? Yep. Only we do it. Hopefully we do it again. I hope we do it again. So that's three times in a row. We become a real party. And one of the things, one of the ways we struggle is people don't hear us. And because we're small. So people always say things like, well, why don't you guys, you know, if you if you get in a, if you get in the polls, maybe we pay attention. They don't understand that to to get in a poll, you have to buy the poll. Yeah, and a poll costs forty thousand dollars. How yeah. can I get in the poll to raise money if I don't have the money to buy the poll? It it's chicken and egg, right? Well, you yeah. guys should be in the newspapers. How come they aren't covering you? Well, to get covered, you have to buy ads, right? Democrats, Republicans are buying ads constantly, so the newspapers cover them. We have to buy ads. Well, depending upon what city or state you're in, an ad buy is minimum five grand, if not a hundred grand, depending upon where you are and what you're buying. Well, again, I've got to get money before I can be covered so I can raise money. Yeah. And then you have some libertarians <laughs> who say, well, it shouldn't be about the money, it's about the ideas. Great, but then how are you going to hear the idea if I can't advertise or get in the newspaper? Exactly. You got and yes. you got to go where the people are. And Correct. I don't know what the what the percentages are. Maybe you do of people that are are still not. I mean, most of us get our news from social media and everywhere like that. I don't know where the where the rest of the population actually is on this, because um, you would think that social media and stuff like that would be more of a game changer in our in our favor. It isn't anymore. It was, and that's because what COVID, what the emergency that was created by COVID did, is it gave all the social media channels a reason to shut us all down. Mm -hmm. So I get shadow banned horribly. And I mean horribly. When I yep. was doing my show before COVID, I would easily get 15,000 views, 20,000 views easily. If I had, you know, powerhouse on like McAfee when he was on, I got 35, 40,000 views. I get tons of views. The second I start talking about COVID, turn right down overnight. And yeah. literally I, I rarely break 5,000 views now. Sometimes, but rarely break 5,000 views. But if yeah. enough people share, I break the algorithm and I'll get 15,000 views again, which is why I know that I'm being shadow banned because yeah. I can still get 15, 20,000 views if I, if I get past the algorithm. So let me, for the sake of your audience, yourself and me, tell everybody right now, if you can like and comment and share this right now, oh, that, yes, would thank help. You. <laughs> that would really that, help. If you're, you're watching right. now, click that like button wherever you're watching it. In fact, click the dislike button. I don't care. Click a button. Click a button. And if you're not subscribed, yes. subscribe. <laughs> Bingo, subscribe, oh. like, share, all those things. But now I'll go one step further. Share this into other arenas on top of it. Do that too. Sorry, I don't yes. mean to promote you, Sarah, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, I, I, <laughs> yes. don't, don't apologize for that. That's great. Yes. <laughs> Best promotion Absolutely. I think I've seen on this channel so far. So that's awesome. There we go. But you're right. Yes. I, it's interesting what YouTube does. And I wonder if 
they've suppressed just interviews and live streaming in general because I've noticed when I do interviews or I do live streams, I don't get it. I, I maybe three or four hundred views. I do a video on topic of the day, just a ten minute video, and it gets three four hundred views. And if it's of a so, for example, I released a video reacting to the Dave Chappelle special last year, and that hit like a hundred thousand views within two days. So it's yep. like it's you have to work the algorithm and how and how that works. And it seems like live streams get the lowest priority on the algorithm of anything. And you would think it wouldn't. You would think that that's the one thing. YouTube is trying to create a live TV, you know, world, right? Yep. They're trying to do that, and what what's that's hurting them. And if you look now at Facebook, the, the harsh part about Facebook is in their attempt to move towards the metaverse and just pacify the United States and, and hope that they can make more money outside the United States, they have shut down so many of the young subscribers, which yep. is so stupid. I mean, the people who watch Facebook, most of them are over 40, many over 50 or 60. So you already have yep. an older demographic. The youth aren't coming to Facebook. So what I decided to do? Make it harder for the youth to come to Facebook. I mean, I, I don't yeah. understand that, right? And then, of course, the metaverse, who's going to go to the metaverse? Most of those people are going to be younger, going to test it. Your early adopters will be younger, as they usually are. Well, you don't have anybody to go to, to metaverse now because you've kicked them all off of Facebook. And, I mean, Facebook is making so many mistakes. They lost, what, half, half a million subscribers last year or something like that? They went down for the first yeah. time ever. And most yeah. of it was not in America. Most of it was outside of America. Which really? shocks them completely. Yes. And that's a problem because Facebook is bigger outside of America than it is in America. So okay. that's why they don't care about us because they're not really an American company anymore. So yeah, they care more about, you know, others. Instagram. They want Instagram to blow up in the, in the States and, and everything like that. Here so we go. that makes, yeah. And, and you're right. The metaverse, it seems like they've put so much energy into that. And I don't know a lot of people that use Facebook anymore. And Facebook used to be the place to go for yes. content. And yes. now it's it's moving all over the place because my, this show yep. is on rumble as well as odyssey as well. And that on all podcast platforms. So I think a lot of people are looking for the alternatives that as well, the alternatives to Facebook. What is that? Um, what does that look like? I mean, true social just launched this week. So yep. there's a lot of competition in the market right now and it's, it's good to see, but it is, but this is literally Facebook's fault. Yeah. Like all they had to do was not be jerks and most people would have stayed on Facebook. We were accustomed to it, right? We don't naturally want to leave and do something different. It's humans, oh, it works, eh, why fix it? That's what most people are like. Exactly. But they were yeah. such jerks, they forced us off into doing other things. That's true. That is absolutely true. Um, the now, problem I'm worried about though, right? I do have a little bit of a worry. Uh, at least when Facebook was at it, what I considered its peak several years ago, while it could become a sewer, and while Twitter is still sometimes a sewer, um, at least you could get both sides relatively easily. Yeah. Those days are over, right? You could get alternate yeah. up, um, alternate ideas relatively easily. Those days are over. Now you know what you're getting now. It's becoming like CNN and MSNBC and Fox now, which is it's not a good place to be. Which again, if you yeah. notice what's happening with CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, same thing. Older people watch them, younger don't, and they're losing viewers. There's no tomorrow. And they're trying to go into 
the uh, into the online space, but you've gotten rid of all your younger viewers, yep. who were the ones who would test the online space first. So you've yep. you've destroyed your your youth base before making the shift. Wow, that was dumb, right? Joe Rogan did the smart way. Rogan had all the youth already, and then moved to Spotify. And the youth are usually the early adopters. They jump right on board. Exactly, and yeah, Rogan's doing. And now they're now they're afraid because they see Joe Rogan per episode. I mean, just blast the top mainstream media companies. I mean, yes. I think they get what six million views per primetime. All combined. three of them combined. Yeah, yes. combined. And Joe Rogan gets ten million an episode. Correct. I mean, that is why they they have attacked Joe Rogan so much. Yes. Um, and when and, you say combined, that means all three of them, all the shows in primetime get six million. Yep. Yeah, yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think I think CNN is like at one million, like one point four, and Fox gets the most at like five. Right. I think so. Absolutely. But that's because yes. they are the alternate voice, right, in mainstream correct. media. Right. They're not. Um, so, I'm joking, we, obviously. Yeah. Going mainstream. with that, going with this though, um, and talking about Facebook and everything like that, and them now coming out and wanting to ch make changes to Section Two Thirty. How does that affect what happens in the virtual space as well? My my gut says whatever change they make, and I'm not sure how it's going to land before with you. Mm -hmm. but whatever happens, it's going to help Facebook. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. <laughs> because Facebook is basically going to write the rule of the law, right? It won't be directly Facebook, but it'll be their lobbyists, right? Mm -hmm. Their lobbyists, their law firm. I think they will be the ones who will write whatever law. So if there is any change, and I don't know if there will be or not, to be forward but if there is yes absolutely this is going to help facebook and or youtube or the big boys because they're yeah. going to break the law so that's the problem the issue is at what point do the people who are out there don't care anymore about the laws right at what yeah. point do we make the black market so valuable or the alt world so valuable that people just go into it and don't care and yeah. we see that right now in New York City, already with, with with just regular everyday stuff, we see such a heavy black market. That's the reason. For, that's the reason for all the violence. And yep. at what point do people just start making Silk Roads? Right? When does that become a thing where everyone starts making Silk Roads and trading in cryptocurrency? That is yeah. going to happen eventually, and the odds are they're going to force it. Yeah. And so um, you mentioned crypto. And I kind of wanted to go into that as well because I saw that you are involved with a blockchain organization, correct? Mm -hmm. So, um, how, especially with like what's going on right now, how is crypto secure compared to obviously fiat currency um, and just having you know gold standard, you know, safe, uh, holding gold and everything like that? Because what we see in Canada, for example, them trying to stop. Um, you from being able to access your crypto. So what prevents yes. that from happening? Yeah, um, I don't think, again, this is every time, I'm going to give you a, a, a rundown. It'll be a few, just if you don't give me a, a second. I'm going to give you a rundown of all the times that prohibition has worked. Finished. <laughs> no, you're Does right. It. Absolutely. <laughs> God couldn't do it in the Garden of Eden. So nobody can do it. It doesn't work. <laughs> it yeah, does not work. No, no, you're absolutely right. Ever. There's always a black market. There's always going to be a black market. 100%. Yes, it never works ever. In fact, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, what I think is a, a terrible side to this. 
which people don't get either. In through the history of America, there's a short period of time when we had a massive amount of police killings, massive amount mm -hmm. of police killings. And that time was alcohol prohibition. During that time, cops were killed like there's no tomorrow because prohibition was so valuable, people were prepared to shoot police officers. I don't want us to go there. This is not a good world for us when we're shooting law enforcement. That's, yeah. I, don't, I don't want anyone being shot, period, right, at yeah. all, to include cops. I don't want cops shot either. I want nobody shot. But anytime cops start getting shot, government gets worse on top of it. So we get nothing but bad. We get loss of life, families destroyed, and we get worse. So and you get gun nope. regulations. And you get gun regulations. That wouldn't have stopped things. anything in the first place. That wouldn't have stopped anything in the first place because it's, Absolutely. it's a black market of guns. <laughs> it's bad, 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 bad. So while Trudeau will try to be like, I'm going to stop cryptocurrency, what will that mean? It means we'll find other ways of moving cryptocurrency, right? It'll hurt. Yeah. What, what he'll do is he'll hurt. This is what regulations do. They hurt the, the players who are being fair or trying to follow by the rules. So companies like Coinbase are going to be hammered, right? Because Coinbase yeah. is trying to follow the rules and trying to be good. Or that, look, 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 you know, I'll do it. Please don't bother me. We'll do it. No, 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 no. Your punishment for being good is hammer. So they're going to hammer places like Coinbase. And we're going to find whatever is the new thing. I don't know what that is. I'm not, I don't know what the new thing is. Yeah, I'm not but whatever sure. the new thing is, that'll be the thing that'll come out. It'll be black market and we'll all move our money through that. That's how it's going to work. I don't think gold is going to be a currency again. Not because mm -hmm. it, it can't work. Of course it can work. I think the issue is culture, right? One of the biggest problems with cryptocurrencies in general is most people don't see it as money, right? They see mm -hmm. it as an investment. So yeah. if you see it culturally as an investment, you don't usually spend your investments, right? You keep your investment or you sell your investment. You don't usually spend yeah. your investment. So if the mindset is crypto is investment, it's more difficult to make it dollars. I think most people see gold the same way. They don't see gold as a currency, right? And so it's a cultural yeah. issue. Now, could we change that? I think we could. It would just take time, right? If we had more people doing gold transfers, if we had more paper backed by gold, we could do it, but it, we're nowhere near that right now. Right now, yeah. people just, they see it as an investment, so you're just not going to do it. I think crypto is moving in that way, especially with yes. platforms like uh, Mines and Odyssey both use cryptocurrency to tip. Uh, pe uh, people on there. So I think those that's a way to that's that's a good way to go. And you're also seeing a lot yes. of um, like all these like cash app and everything like that. Yep. you can you can you can send crypto to people. So yep. I think that's one thing. Um, I also and, think believe it or not, some people are going to be mad at me. I, I don't know how well NFTs are going to go in the future. I have no idea. But the idea that people buy and sell NFTs with crypto is also helping because NFTs are popular. Mm -hmm. I don't own yeah. any. I don't know if there are any value. I'm not telling you to buy any. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is I know they're popular and people are buying and selling them. And if they're going to yeah. buy and sell them with Ethereum, that is going to help moving cryptocurrency back and forth, regardless of what happens with the NFTs in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I've not even looked into NFTs that much. I kind of get a gist of what they are. Um, I saw a meme the other day though that said the generation that is talking about is that's with the NFTs. They're going like my generation's going. No, we we lived through the Beanie Baby craze of the '90s, so we saw that how that went. <laughs> NFTs are going to go that same direction. Don't don't buy into it. <laughs> no. Right, 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 right. They're That's not great. an investment. <laughs>
That's right. Oh, but hold on. Comic books are, though. That is true. So they might be comic books. You never know. That if you had be. an Aven- if you had an Avengers number one, I'm just saying, <laughs> all those movies came out, you'd have made a killing. So yeah, that is true. Depends that is true. On, it depends. Hopefully like for the people who own NFTs, <laughs> hopefully they're comic books. Yeah. And not or, Beanie Babies. Or valued art. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. Either um, one. Sure. So we were kind of talking a little bit about this before we went on because you are a former Marine. I'm a former sure. army officer. Um, so what is it, I, where did, uh, like, what was your path to becoming a libertarian? I mean, was it in the service after you got out? What's that path? And, and why are so many, um, why, what's your opinion as to why so many libertarians are former service members as well? Yes. And many former Marines. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think because of the old saying, the most zealous are the converted. That's why. The most yeah. zealous are the converted, right? Um, and I was the kid, I, I hate to say this, but I tell the story I've told in the past. I was the kid when I was 18, 19 years old, who was walking around with the shirt that said, kill them all, let God sort them out. I was that guy. I was that gung-ho Marine. I was that yeah. guy. I was like, yeah, we're going to go kill them all and bomb the Russians. I was in during the 80s. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was my first commander-in-chief, right? Yeah. That's So I was in during, it was, it was still a Soviet Union when I was in, right? So we were like, we're going to bomb the communists or whatever. And I was all about it. I was, that's what I was. And it's funny, I'm such the opposite now. But yeah. If I was 19 yeah. now and we had this Ukraine thing, I'd be like, go invade. I'd be a war hawk. I would have been a war yeah. hawk. I'd be telling her, go invade Ukraine and fight the Russians. And we're going to take Moscow. All kind of stupid stuff like that. I was that 19-year-old kid. So I think when I turn, when I turn, I think that's what made me turn extra hard, if that makes any sense. I yeah. was converted. And when I became converted to being war is a racket and war is bad, that's why I'm really about, no, no, war is a racket. War is bad. And I yeah. worry far more about veterans than I worry about war, right? I yeah. So I'm also, I talk about veterans often because I care about veterans because I think most of them, and I know why some, some libertarians are very actually anti-soldier, anti-marine because they're so anti-military, they're actually against them. And I am not, because I believe that most of the people, the vast, vast majority who join, are joining with the best intentions. I know I did. I yeah, believed 100% that I was going to be fighting for my country and fighting for freedom. I believed all of that. One, I would have told you you were insane to tell me otherwise. I would yeah. have. There's no way. I did not. I believed I was doing all those things. So why would I be mad at some guy, some gal? who joins up and says, I want to, I want to fight for my country. I'm not mad at them. I might tell them it's a bad idea. Yeah. But I'm not going to yeah. be mad at them. <laughs> right. No. I'm not going to be mad at them at all. It's, 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 I get where they're coming from because I was there. So I actually didn't turn libertarian in that regard at all. Really in the Marine mm-hmm. Corps. I began to, well, that's not true. I began to feel like the system wasn't working while I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And what kind of pulled the scale from my eyes was a, was a weird event. It was the first Gulf War. Mm-hmm. I was in during the first Gulf War, and I wanted to go. And for those of you who know, in the Marine Corps, the person who is in control of where you get stationed is called a monitor. That's that's their title. I don't know if they have that in the Army or not, but the Marine Corps is called a monitor. That's a branch the manager. There we go. That person yeah. decides where you go, right? So 
I actually called my monitor. I was stationed in Fort Belvoir outside of uh, Virginia. I was a Marine detachment there. And I was I was like, let send me to, to Saudi Arabia because everyone, everyone at that point was um was deployed to Saudi Arabia to stage to invade Iraq and, and Kuwait, invade Kuwait. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, send me, send me. He's like, no, you are so motivated there, Sergeant Sharp. Tell you what I'm going to do. You're going to stay there as platoon sergeant. You're going to help train my guys so I can send them. So literally, I was training reservists to send them over. And the worst part is, reservists had lives. Why were we sending them? My life yeah. at that point, I was 21, maybe 22. Um, I was ready to go. My life was the Marine Corps. And I wanted to go. And he's like, no. Train these guys because they don't want to go. And I said to myself, why are we sending people who don't want to go? Like, that was what happened. So two yeah. things in my head at the same time. One, why am I training people who don't want to go? That was number one. And then two, why am I even doing this? If when the time comes, I can't go. And those two things smashed my head at the same time. And I was like, does this work? And that was the first crack. I wasn't libertarian then, but that yeah. was the first, maybe this is not what I thought it was. Prior to that, I was all in. That it was the first crack in my in my facade that maybe this isn't the right thing. And then I started seeing what was happening. Now that now the early 90s come. Clinton's the president. And I thought Clinton was the coolest guy in the world. Guy played a saxophone on, on TV. That's gonna be the <laughs> yeah. best president ever. <laughs> And boy, was I wrong on that one, right? But again, I was 20-something. I didn't know any better, right? I thought, oh, he's got to be good. He plays saxophone on TV. He's on a, he, yeah, he's yeah. on a Centennial Hall show. What could go wrong, right? So that's kind of what I thought. But then I became like a Ross Perot guy because I was a, I was so upset with what was happening there. I became a Ross Perot guy. And I also became a, um, a Ralph Nader guy. Not because I knew what Ross Perot or Ralph Nader stood for. I didn't, to be fair with you. I wasn't paying mm-hmm. attention. I had no idea. I couldn't tell you any of their policies then or now. Yeah. I just knew they weren't the system and the system sucked. That I knew. That I was aware of. The system sucked. They weren't the system. I'm in. So I really was just a third party guy in general. And I was ready to not vote anymore until I heard Gary Johnson speak. I heard Gary Johnson speak in 2012. And when I heard him speak, I think I, I was able to hear him. And this is why I talk so much about messaging in the liberty movement. A lot of people say, well, harsh messaging is bad or too soft messaging is bad. I disagree with both. I want all the messaging because people are in different spots in their head. Like I couldn't hear Ron Paul. Why? That's not where my head was. Mm -hmm. I saw Ron Paul as an eight as just another congressman. I didn't get it, if that makes any sense. And I know lots of people came to the movement because of him. I didn't. But when I heard Gary Johnson speak, he was an entrepreneur like I was. I had my business for eight years. I was working. I was recovering from my business failures. And that's who I needed to hear. And when I first heard Gary Johnson, people some are going to laugh, I thought he was a radical. <laughs> I did. I was like, this guy is insane. What's he talking about? Right? I, I, I thought he was a radical. And then I realized, I mean, I'm far more radical than he is now. Right? Yeah. Far more. Yeah. But at that point, that's where I was. Right? That's where I was in my head and my ability to grasp what was going on. And I felt like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy, he, 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 without him, I'm not a libertarian. He, at least now, I mean, I, I might've heard somebody later, maybe, but that's, that's who brought me in. And that's yeah. what made me, you know, kind of understand it. However, I got to preface that. I couldn't have heard him 
until I'd done something else, which is I came to libertarian thought, not through Gary Johnson or through Bastiat or through Mises or any of those. I came through a guy named Robert Ringer. Robert Ringer is a business guy. I'm a business guy. I've been consulting yeah. since 2004, right? So he was one of my mentors in the business world. I was subscribed to his blog and I would read his stuff, read his books. And one of the things he is, is he's an objectivist. I'm not an objectivist, but he was. But that got me into the idea because he said, you should read Atlas Shrugged. And I was like, Atlas what? I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I had no idea who Ayn Rand was. Yeah. No idea. But yeah. my mentor says, read the book. Okay, I'm going to read the book. So I yeah. read the book and I'm like, oh, government's not so good after all. No, it's not. No, yeah. it's not so good. So that got me into the mindset of thinking that maybe government wasn't always the answer. So that was very helpful to me to be in the right mindset of you know volunteerism. I was also teaching. I was teaching at at, at at graduate school, Columbia and Yale, Baruch, other areas I was teaching. I'm teaching leadership and networking, all kind of stuff. And what I was teaching in my as a consultant was um, that we wanted post-industrial leadership, which is leadership where I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm getting you on board with my plan and giving you the, you know, the, the freedom to go do it, right? Yep. I'm allowing you to act on your own. It's also Marine Corps leadership too, right? There's the hill, go take it, right? So that yep. all was perfect with me meshing so i was always into basically corporate volunteerism so yeah. that i was already teaching that already right that that's how you lead well through example not through coer coercion but through persuasion right i was already in that world of coercion bad persuasion good volunteerism i wasn't calling it any of that because it was business i was calling it you know post-industrial leadership yeah. so when i heard it from gary johnson and I began to read that that's when I read Bastiat. That's when I, you know, that's when I began to read those other, those other books. And I was able to easily convert it and put it into language everyone could understand because I was already teaching it. Yeah. And so 2012, I backed Gary Johnson. Uh, 2012, 2013, I joined the, my local parties. By 2014, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, uh, national member. 2016, I want to become Gary Johnson's VP, so I run for vice president, to be, and I lost to Bill Weld by 31 votes. Not that I'm counting. Sarah, stop counting. I'm not counting. Why are you counting? I'm not counting. Who cares? Stop it, it bringing it up. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Lost by 31 votes um, to Bill Weld, and I, it was not a, a Johnson Sharp ticket. It was a Johnson Weld ticket instead. Um, so um, then in 2018, I realized I got to run. So that's when I made my run, my actual first run for governor of New York. That was a massive learning experience. I went a year and a half without a salary. I ran full time, raised half a million dollars, built a massive team up. And then 2020 came. I didn't want to run. I was broke. I mean, I was still yeah. in debt from the last one. So I didn't want to run. But that's when Judge Jim Gray said, hey, will you run with me? I said, if you run, Judge, I'll run. I'll, run. I'll be VP. I can't be president. I can't do the president thing. But I can do support staff, which... In our world, VP is support staff. So yeah. I said, I can be support staff, right? I'll be, I'll be, I'll be your, 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 your dog in a chain. Got it. No worries. I was for Gary Johnson. And when Gary mm -hmm. Johnson ran in 2016, I was in his stead many times. I debated in his stead. I was on TV in his stead. And I spent a lot of time saying, the governor's been clear on this. Governor Johnson's been very clear on this. Governor has talked about this many times. I did a lot of that. So I said, yeah. I can do it for the judge. It's fine. I'll do it for him. Um, yeah. But then he didn't win, so I dropped out. And people were like, why did you drop out? Because I didn't want to run in the first place. I was just loyal to the judge, right? Yeah. I was loyal to him because he was my first vote, him and Gary Johnson in 2012. First time I voted for, for Libertarian. 
was him and Gary Johnson only two up. So the judge won something. I was like, yes, I'm in. I can't tell him no. Um, and the judge also agreed with my thought process on how we have to run a campaign. A national campaign, Libertarian Party, has to be run, in my view, others would disagree. In my view, it must be run like four or five local small states first to be gaining traction in those states. We poll well in those states. Polling mm -hmm. comes out. People notice it. That becomes national news. You move the campaign nationally. So he agreed with that. No other, no other candidate agreed with that. Like, no, it's got to be a 50-state this. I'm like, that's a colossal waste of time. It's never going to work. It's totally useless. doesn't matter. You've got to do and That's how I did it in New York. That's how I got ballotized in New York. I started in areas where nobody else was. I got yeah. popular in those areas, got local press, and then brought to the rest of the state. So he believed in that too. So then after that was done, I didn't run anymore. And sadly, the, the the team then didn't want my team. I built a team in 2018. Nobody wanted it. So they just kind of stagnated it. My team stagnated for another couple of years. Yeah. Um, until now, I brought them back. I got the band back together for 2022. We're back <laughs> on the road. So back I was – because the reason why I thought you ran again was because uh, of the special election that was just happened Which in one? New York. Wasn't there a special election that uh, when Hochul took – took charge or was there not even an election there? No, she was just the uh, lieutenant governor. Oh, I see. Just stepped in. Yep. So is, I mean, what's, what's the outlook? Do you think you're going to, how do you think it's going to go this time around? Um, yep. Especially with everything that's going on. Do you think COVID COVID restrictions are going to help you? I mean, what are you thinking? Um, we've done polling already, right? My yeah. campaign's done polling. They've done polling. A lot of people have been doing polling. One of the, one of the things I use money for when people um, when people donate is to do things like polling, right? We do that kind of stuff. We get others to do it too. Polling is critical, right? And they're expensive. So we've done it and so have others. New York State still loves Kathy Hochul. It hasn't gone away. New York State yeah. still thinks that in general she's done a good job, even though she's done a horrible job. New Yorker, remember, people who would run a, would vote against her have left the state. We've lost over two and a half million New Yorkers these last 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why Florida used to be a swing state and is now a red state, because yeah. states like New York and Illinois and California have literally export our Republicans there. Yeah, that's why it's a red state now. Cal Florida didn't all of a sudden become a red state. It used to be no. a swing state. We've just yeah. sent all Republicans down there. So most people in New York state are like, yeah, she's fine because she's a Democrat, not because she's competent, because she has a D by her name that by yeah. default makes her OK. And if an R by your name, eh, you're kind of by default evil. That's how New York State thinks. <laughs> so as a general rule, it looks like only two, two people can win, two types. Her, because she already got her uh, party nomination. There will be no Democratic primary of this year. She is a nominee. Really? Yes. How it works, I don't know if it works in, in, in Georgia the same way, but in New York State, if, the, if during a convention, any candidate gets 75% of the vote of the delegates or more, it is considered an uncontested convention, and they have the nomination. There's no primary. Okay. She got 85% of the vote. So no primary. Okay. So she she is the nominee. So she's either going to win or some outsider wins, right? So like, you know, Mark Cuban moves in from Florida, brings $100 million, and tries to win the election. Uh, that's not going to happen. So I'm hoping the outsider is me. The Republican has literally no chance of winning. In my state, a Republican has not won a statewide election in 20 years. And the state's only getting bluer. It's yeah. not getting redder. It's getting bluer. Right now, I think I told you, it's three to one New York State um, Democrat to Republican.
So it's only getting bluer. Republican has no chance of victory whatsoever. I'm hoping I have a chance. And here's my ways of, of victory. Either way, I'm going to do well. As I said, I'm already at 6%. And that was only the Libertarian Party. And that was before I even announced. So yep. now I've announced and I have two more parties. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do well no matter what. I think my the floor, in my view, is half a million votes. Half a million votes is my floor. I can't see me getting less than half a million votes. I hope to get over a million, obviously, because that will be outstanding. That will break a hole so deep that no one could close it. That's my my goal. I hope to get over a million. But I can't yeah. see myself getting less than half a million votes. So, But I want more. I'm going to run this thing to win. And I think there's two ways I can win. Number one, if the Republicans actually pull their heads out of their derrieres and say, let's give Larry Sharp our line. If they do, I will have five lines. Republican, conservative, libertarian, forward, and unite lines. If I have five lines and our governor has two and it's me against her, that's winnable. That's an actual coalition against the establishment. That is winnable. So that's option one. Republicans get smart and give me their line. Yeah. Option two, um, I run to win and Kathy Hochul does something really bad. She makes some mistake. That one I can't control. But the problem is, the reason why that's a problem for Republicans is Democrats in New York don't want to vote for a Republican. They have been told mm -hmm. for decades that the Republicans are evil. So they would rather stay home than vote for Republican. So they won't vote Republican. But will they vote for me? Yes. How do I know that? The polling has shown that. And our data from our last election has shown that. Democrats do vote for me. About 25% of my uh, votes last time came from Democrats. That's huge as Libertarian, right? Is, so yeah. that's a big chunk. And in this last polling, I gained 6% when you put me in and pull the two top people and put me in. I get about four points, a little bit less, about three and a half points from the Republican, about a point and a half from Undecided, and about a point and a half from her, from the from the um, Democrat. So I do pull from each side. That it's okay. The data is there. So if yeah. she makes a mistake and I pull her people, New York State is not a majority state. It's a plurality state. So I could win with like 40%, 35% of the vote. So yes, that's how I win. Okay. Um, and so does New York tend to vote more based off of the social issues, which libertarians are tend to be more liberal on? We, we kind of be seeing yes. leftists on those? Culture war is very important in most of the country, but heavily in New York. Yeah. Yes. Culture war okay. is a huge issue. Absolutely. And I... I know that's like the top thing on your um, on your platform is your you do you campaign, right? Yes. So I, I find I find it it's funny because my um, a friend of mine who's still in the army that's his motto. It has been for like 10, 20 years. It's just you do you. <laughs> Absolutely yes, and that's a critical piece. There's 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 no way I can get New York State in at least the, the, the short term, to be libertarian, right? I can't get them to just follow all the things that I'd like them to follow. That's It's unrealistic. There's no way I can do it. Can I get them to be more apathetic that they still locally can do what they want to do and allow others to do what they want to do? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So they'll they'll localize their tyranny. Right? So <laughs> exactly. That, that isn't awesome, but it's better than what I have now, right? I'm looking, yeah. I, I can't get perfection. I'll take what I can get. And at least I can... We can do localized tyranny versus statewide tyranny. We'll do that. So, yes. Absolutely. Um, let me see. What was I going to ask you about? Um, I, what what issue is your top issue that you're the most passionate about while, when you're running? 
I think it is the you do you, right? It's, mm -hmm. you know, I actually respect diversity, right? Which mm -hmm. means if I respect diversity, why would I want a one size fits all answer from my capital, right? I want to let mm -hmm. local people be who they want to be. If you respect diversity, by default, you should respect localism, right? Because you should know that people want different things in different areas. So give them different things. Let them be who they want to be. So I think that's probably my my most passionate one. I like that a mm -hmm. lot. But on a personal level, believe it or not, it's a boring one. It's the budget. Because we've lost two and a half million people while our budget has gone up by tens of billions of dollars. New mm -hmm. York State's budget is about is almost $220 billion, which only California and 20 countries have a higher budget than we do. That's it. Okay. And worse, Florida has more people than we have, has no state income tax, yep. has a actual surplus, and they have more people than we have with half the budget. Yeah. Half the budget. And talking about that too, because reading through your stuff, you are for what's called a step-up stipend. And yes. I was just wondering, how how is that different than UBI? Oh, it's very different. And okay, that's why it's called a step-up stipend. UBI is everybody gets cash, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody gets cash. Um, here's whatever X thousand dollars for you, X thousand dollars for you, everybody gets it. And it's almost always based on taxation. The step-up stipend one is not based on taxation. All of my rules... All of my ideas, all of my laws, absolutely no increase in taxation at all. So it is it is built either from savings from my education plan, or and or leasing of uh, of state lands. That's how we raise the money, right? Okay. So no taxes extra. No one's taxes is paying for some is paying for someone else, right? That makes any sense. None of that. Okay. So that's step one. Step two. It's basically a negative income tax style to where $15,000 is the, is the base. And I'm not sure the numbers, we're looking right now about 15K, but it may be different. The, okay. the team is putting together the numbers right now, but it's probably about 15K. And for every dollar you make, you lose 50 cents of your stipend. So okay. it allows you to step up off of it. So once you make a certain amount of money, in this case, 30 grand, you get nothing. If you're making over 30 grand, you get nothing because you're making over 30 grand. Making less than 30 grand, you get something which puts you up to 30 grand. That's the goal that we should get up to in that area. You can step up to 30 grand. 15 grand is the minimum. If you start moving more, you'll begin to make more money. What does it do? It allows people to change jobs, which mm -hmm. is be critical in my state, right? It allows people to, to not do what I, when things get tough and they are tough, people tend to take whatever job they can get. I don't want people taking whatever job they can get. That makes them unhappy. Unhappy New Yorkers means they leave. I want happy New Yorkers. Yeah. So they get a little bit of survive while they change jobs. Does that mean they can take that maybe a, a lesser salary? They can if they want to. It's possible to get a lesser salary to try something new. Can they take some time off to uh, raise a child or something? They can if they want to. Can they go back to school? They can if they want to. That's the option. So I think that's the, the piece that we're talking about, right? We, we want to make it to where people can do that and get off. It allows you to step off. UBI, you never get off. There's no incentive to work with UBI. There's no yeah. incentive to do anything with UBI. I was gonna with say this, everybody gets something in UBI, right? Yes. In this, you are you are you are given an incentive to keep working to get better. Okay. You're also, that will by default, I hope it should, it should lower our um our WIC, it should lower all the other things that we're paying at the state level, 
even Medicaid, Medicare in theory, right? Because if, if, yeah. if people are getting some cash, it should lower all of that. So it also should save money in the long run. Yeah. And you had mentioned even just, um, what is it? On a private property, you said, and this comment right here, it's it's one of my favorite things that I've ever heard you talk about is how yep. we, as libertarians, build roads, right? Because that's what everybody yes. asks us. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And the reality of it is we have to, the problem and, and why, why, here is the issue that I'm dealing with here. And I know some people don't like uh, the ideas that I'm coming up with because they're like, oh, this doesn't sound right, it doesn't feel right. I, I get it, right? But I'm in a state that is completely broken. And I cannot repair it without something. And people are going to do worse things if I don't give them good answers. So yep. I'll cover both the UBI uh, response that I get often and also the advertising part. People always go, oh, Larry, I don't like your SUS. It's it's a handout. Here's what's going to happen if I don't have a better answer. Massive UBI checks. That's yep. the future. So if we don't find a way to get around that, that is the future. That is exactly the future. I don't want just that. I want a good plan that supports the, the working poor, that gets the working poor back in their in action and allows people to fall down and get back up and it encourages them to step up. That's what I'm trying to achieve. I think we can do it with that plan. So second piece, the bridges. Someone's gonna pay for infrastructure. And what I get often from the left is we want big business to pay more. I agree, I'm with you. I just don't want to force them with taxation. So I'm going to give them a reason to give more money for infrastructure. And what does that mean? Leasing out naming rights to bridges. And I get response all the time. Yeah, who's going to pay for a bridge? I already know. Lots of people. They pay $20 million a year for a stadium that's used on the weekends. I'm going to give them $100 million. They're going to give me $100 million, a bridge that in a 16 million person metro area is mentioned hundreds of times every day on traffic reports is on Google Maps and it's talked about through Siri and we'll have the name on it as millions cross the bridge physically and see the actual name of the bridge and all the media that's produced in New York City, all that product placement in movies and TV shows and stuff, happy to pay for it. And they will pay for it without question because I know they already started talking to me about it when I ran last time. Bankers were yep. already talking to me about how long is the lease? What's it for? They will then pay for the maintenance on top of it. You front load the contract so if they screw up, we end the contract. We got most of the money up front. New person comes in and gets it. So we yep. still have to make that happen. And no tolls. The tolls in New York City, between 15 and 18 bucks to cross one bridge. All that does is punish the working poor middle class. Let's yep. stop doing that. Let's stop punishing the working poor and stop punishing the uh, uh, the, 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 the middle class. Stop that. Doesn't make any sense. And of course, yep. solo truck drivers, right? Owner operators. It punishes them too because they pay per axle. Take Absolutely. that money yeah. and it now pays for the maintenance pays for the maintenance of our MTA. Now the MTA now we get a better subway system for cheaper. It's win win everywhere. And that's what I heard you talk about on Timcast. I don't think you've heard of, I've heard you talk about is the rails and using yes. those privatizing allowing the MTA or any not privatizing. You say advertising well, and immediately people go no 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 <laughs> the state and the city still own the asset we just lease out the naming rights now i know the returns yeah. might get mad and go oh my god you got a prop nope that's i'm in new york state privatization by default is a it's it's a bridge too far it is not going to happen in my state just yeah isn't. so now, we can like it, it we want it's not going to happen is it so and it just brought me back to the way you were talking about using 
the rails for freight companies to be able to move stuff in and out of New York City. It's an Amazon. They just opened up a, a a port in New Jersey, or they got approved to, if I believe. So that's kind of on the same concept of, you know, getting private companies to do some of this stuff that the government's doing right now. Like we see in California with the port system and everything like that, it's all backed up where Amazon, Home Depot, and all these companies have already started looking at places where they can establish their own ports without government. Yes, absolutely. And and we want to make sure that we're doing it right. We don't want, we want to make sure that if we're going to help the poor, and that's the issue. I like everything I talk about, believe it or not, is always to help the working poor and middle class. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you helping the very poor? Here's the reason why I'm not focusing on the very poor. Two reasons. One is kind of cruel in, in, a, in an idea, but one is very good. First one is government does a decent job of making sure the, the, the very poor stay alive. And that's horrible, but that's all they do. They keep you where you are. So how do I get them to step up? Well, give them an opportunity, but more importantly, if you help the working poor and the middle class, who actually helps the very poor? It's the working poor and middle class. Those yeah. are the, and the entrepreneurs, the young, usually new entrepreneurs, they're the ones who give people new jobs. They're the ones who give people second chances. They're the ones who go to the soup kitchen. They're the ones who help out their family and friends, right? My mom was an addict. My mom was a mm-hmm. convicted felon. Who gave my mom a second chance? Diner owners. Allowed her to work in diners so she can get her job back in action. So I, so not at all. I think the most important piece is getting the working poor and the middle class back in action to the best of their ability. They will by default help the very poor and the government's holding them there. The government's holding them there and the rest will, have, will pick them up. That's what we're doing. Yep. That's how we make that work. If you just try to help the very poor by government trying to do it, government has never been able to help the very poor well. Yep. Never. It's never worked. Not once. So why would I even yep. try? Yeah, I'll let the, the old, communities do it. They do it much it's better. It's the old teach a man to fish versus Correct. give him a fish, right? Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, so that's what I'm trying to achieve. So when it comes to what they're doing is I don't want I don't want Amazon to go build a separate hub when we already have hubs in New York City. What I want Amazon to do is to use our hubs, mm-hmm. but make them better. Yeah. Right. And give them a reason to do so. Companies like Amazon and, and all these companies, they're not going to go away. And some people who are hardcore socialists say, let's get rid of them. Not going to happen. They're writing all the laws and they already own at least half of Congress, if not two thirds of Congress, if not three quarters of Congress already. Yeah. So that's not, not going to, unless you want violent revolution. And I get it. If you, if that's who you are, that's not me. I don't want violent revolution. So I don't want it to happen, but that would be yeah. an answer. I guess if you're okay with that, I'm not, yeah. I mean, they so own the internet too. So <laughs> yes. So that's not going to happen. So what I have to do is I have to make my enemy, my ally, I have to make yeah. them my friend and I can make them my friend by giving them a reason to spend their literally $10 billion a year advertising revenue on things that will help the average person. Right, yeah. which is a better a, a better subway system, right? Yeah. Which is better mental health for people who are homeless. They'll do it if we show them how to do it. And I have yeah. ways of making that happen too. We can absolutely do that the right way and actually help people and not just scream on how bad corporations are. I mean, they are bad, but we're not going to fix that. Yeah, that's that's not going away. Yes. Well, all right. So we have hit the one hour mark. So I just want to thank you for joining. Um, and where uh, where can people find you? 
LarrySharp.com if you want to support the campaign. Google Larry Sharp to see what I am doing. Um, I, I, I'm taking donations. If you want to donate, please do so. As much we can, the much money we can get as possible is awesome. I can uh, assure you that we'll spend a lot of it on polling and advertising, which is what we need to move this thing forward. And the more important thing is we are also, uh, we're training people, right? The What we're building now is going to keep, is going to stay for a long time. It's infrastructure that the party needs for the future. And the last awesome. piece I'll bring in, everyone talks about building coalitions. I'm actually doing it. Yeah. If you want to support someone who's actually building a coalition for people all over the place, it's time to support this campaign. Absolutely. I think libertarians need to get out of their own way in a little, in a lot of ways too. And, uh, and actually work with, with some of these other people like you're doing. So I think you're, you're, you're setting a great example. So I appreciate it. Sarah, thank you. Yes. Thank you for coming on and everybody that's in the chat. Like we said earlier, make sure you click that like and subscribe button and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.